All right, Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff Lang, the pastor yes, of Faith Bridge Church. Faith Bridge Church. And how Park long Rapids. Been, Park Rapids. How long have you been pastor of Faith Bridge? Uh, we moved here in March of 2020, so two and a half years. And that was right at COVID. So I got some questions about yep. that transition, but right I know you've been a pastor for quite a while, mm -hmm. but this is the first time being a senior pastor? Correct. Yeah. First so, lead pastor role. Yeah. Okay. So what were your pastor roles before? Uh, wow. Going way back, I started off in student ministry, uh, did some church planning in uh, uh, Fallon, Nevada, where I was student worship pastor. So that's kind of been my experience up until recently where... Um, I was the uh, basically an associate pastor of life groups and men's ministry at uh, Reading Christian Fellowship. So, how's the transition been from being the one of the support to being the lead? Mm -hmm. no, that's a great question. It's something I actually have thought about quite a bit. In that, as an associate pastor, or an assistant pastor, whatever it is, you know, you always think um, what it might be like sitting in the big boy chair. Um, <laughs> you know, and. Um, Maybe I would have done it differently, or if I if, if if I had the opportunity, I would have done that differently. So so like being a Monday Monday what they call the Monday morning quarterback. Yeah yeah, so yeah. Being an associate, you see yeah. the things. Oh, I would have done yeah. that differently. I did it. So what happened mm -hmm. with that transition? So being in this position, you know, you realize uh, that. There, there's no, there's no further to go to kick the kick, you know, responsibility to the, the buck kind of stops with you. You're the one responsible for the decisions. And so as an associate, you kind of take that for granted, like, well, ultimately it's not my decision. I can, I just can kick it up the food chain. But when you're the lead pastor, um, you pretty much have to make the decisions. And so that's actually taken some uh, adjusting and, um, getting used to, uh, and I don't know that I'm totally used to that yet. Uh, cause it, it, it's challenging because then you really have to, Wow, uh, you know, my decision making affects not just X amount of people, but I have to consider the entire flock, you know, or the, everybody that God brings into my uh, our ministry responsibility. So, with that, I mean, you're not making decisions solely. You have a team of people you work with. You're right, right. You know, we do have a staff, uh, a great staff. We have a a, um, a deacon board. So, in some contexts, they would be they, we would call them elders. Mm -hmm. Here in our context, uh, we call them deacons, and then our our deacons we call trustees, um, but effectively serve as deacons, and our deacons serve as elders. And so, um, we do have a, a group of nine guys that share that leadership responsibility. We're congregationally. Uh, driven and so our congregation votes on big decisions you know like budget and deacons and and those kinds of things um, but you know day-to-day -day operation uh, ministry goals those kinds of things those fall on on my my shoulders and then I share that with our staff our, our, our ministry staff so so yeah. the buck stops here with you as you said yeah yeah so uh, this program is all about connecting faith and life yep. we talked about before yeah. we didn't have a long conversation before which is great because we can have it recorded we can edit out <laughs> the bad stuff right uh, but as I think about the idea of connecting faith in life, mm -hmm. I want this to be a practical conversation about how we can help people connect faith in life. And sure. looking at the pastor's role, yeah. like I grew up in a culture where the pastor was like almost worshipped in a sense, mm -hmm. like almost, you know, yeah. he could do no wrong or you had to honor the pastor. Right. And I think that led right. to a lot of abuse. Sure. Um, sure. So from a practical standpoint, what do you think, how should we mm -hmm. look at a pastor's role as we are believers? Growing together, learning together, yeah. following Christ as our head, as the head of the church. Right. How are we to? How do you think we should look at the pastor's role? You know, that's a great question. It's something. You know, I grew up on the West Coast, California. Um, did not grow up in a strong church culture like maybe you did uh, or are familiar with, and so I've I've actually always been really uncomfortable with the the title pastor. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, in fact, when when I first started ministry, people would refer to me as Pastor Jeff, and I just I'm just Jeff. You know, uh, I, called by God to 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 do the work of the ministry, and uh, and from a vocational standpoint, and and so the idea of being called Pastor Jeff has always been a little. It's always made me a little bit of un- uncomfortable. I've over 20 years of ministry have grown used to it. So now um, do you embrace it now? Um, I, I'm still uncomfortable because it, it has a different meaning now being the lead pastor <laughs> and especially being a lead pastor in the Midwest where Midwestern culture, at least in Northern Minnesota is the, the pastor is very much revered and, you know, and people, in fact, there's a story of, uh, my wife and I, we often joke about this, even among people that we've made friends here, th- those friends when referring to me will We'll talk to my wife, you know, Jessica this, Jessica that. Well, what does pastor think? <laughs> what, what, is, what does pastor think? And, and just, you know, it, it just, it, it, I chuckle at that, but I also have to understand that, that it is a sign of respect, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to embrace it for that. But at the same time, you know, my kids, I tell them, well, you've got to start calling me pastor dad. And they said, no, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> kind of like my daughter, I did that. She wanted me to speak at a school and she was off school that day. And she came with me. She was running the, the merch table and mm-hmm. doing video yeah. stuff. And so yeah. we went off to Cardi to get something, came back. She was like, daddy, daddy. I was like, babe, we're at work. You got to call me boss man. <laughs> so I made a little video. She called yeah. okay, boss man. Boss man. <laughs> boss man. So the pastor, you kind of embrace because to you, it, you didn't like it necessarily, but people were doing it as a form of yeah. respect. You yeah. didn't want to disrespect yeah. them. They're yeah. trying to respect you. Absolutely. So so as the pastor, people look at you differently. So I got several questions on that as being a pastor. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what is you? What do you think your role is? Well, my role, the way I understand that from Scripture is is uh, from Ephesians four. Is I've been given the charge by God um, as a as a pastor, teacher, shepherd, teacher, uh, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Um, and so my goal is to uh, encourage our. our our congregation, those that, are, that call Faith Bridge home uh, every week. And, and, and the primary way I do that is through Sunday morning, through the preaching of the word on Sunday mornings at, and are both of our services. And so um, just bringing the word, doing my due diligence of studying and the scriptures and, and understanding, exegeting the scriptures so that I can then uh, can't be exposit. using big words up on this podcast. What is yeah, yeah, yeah. explaining the words? So well, you asked, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> understand the, 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 uh, the uh, contextual meaning of a, of a passage, right, um, within the larger context of th- where you find that idea. So you're not just taking a, a concept or a, a verse, lifting it out of its context, and then this is what it means. That's that's called eisegesis. We want to input meaning into that. correct okay. importing my meaning. I want to understand what the meaning was as understood by the original audience, as intended by the original author, and then lifting the timeless truth from that and trying to understand and apply it to our con- uh, our contemporary context. So your your main so, job is preaching, but you're also correct. shepherding, right? Correct. So you want to equip the saints. Yep. Ephesians chapter four verse eleven. Yep. Equip the saints for working ministry. Yeah. So you are preaching. That's one way you equip. Mm-hmm. And then what other things you do to equip the saints? You do any teaching classes, any kind yeah. of? Yeah. So teaching is occasionally I'll teach uh, what we call a faith class. It's a, our uh, new membership class, um, but that's every now and then. Uh, and, and really a lot of the teaching is, is uh, life on life through through life group and just doing life with with people um and a big part of that for me as a as a lead pastor as just as a pastor in general as an elder in uh first timothy chapter three you know paul talks about what the qualifications of an elder or of a deacon you know and, and one of those qualifications of an elder is that if you can't manage your own household well then you have no business 
you know, shepherding the household of, of God. And so my family, being a dad, being a present father, as well as a, a, a husband who loves his wife as Christ loves the church. Um, that's Which an, you do perfectly every time. Every time. No, I mean, that, that is my cross to bear. No, um, I fail more than I, I succeed in that. But that's part of my understanding of, of doing my job is if I, if I can't love my family, if I can't serve my family, then I have no business being in this role. You know, one of the things that my wife and I early on in ministry, even before we got into ministry, um, we talked about that we would never sacrifice our family on the what we would call the altar of ministry. Mm. Because so often, you know, having gone to Bible college and having in- interacted with a number of um, young men and, and, and some women who went into ministry, whether missions or whatnot, and they grew up maybe in pastoral as, you know, PKs, pastor's kids. And dad was always so busy and so focused on the needs and the, the, the problems of the church that he was never present at home. And his kids, those kids would go off the rails, you know, and you wonder why, why you grew up, you know, you grew up in a pastor's home. You would think that they're the best disciples. <laughs> and, and the reality is it's not true. And so my wife and I thought, you know, as, as important as the ministry of the, uh, of the church is, my kids, I need to pastor them well. You know, because my my wife and I believe that moms and dads, and this is connecting faith and life, our our primary responsibility as moms and dads is to disciple our kids, uh, to point them to Christ, to train them uh, in righteousness. And if we can't do that, then I... I have no business being in the pulpit on Sunday. And I, I like the fact that you said, you, you know, we joked about that's your cross to bear, but yeah. understanding that that is still your goal, that right. is your role. And I, right. I kind of use this way. It's not about perfection, but progress, or right. not about perfection, but direction. Mm-hmm. I like both those quotes. I use them both. But the idea that I'm, my direction is following and doing what God has told me to do. Am I perfect at it? No. I think right. some people believe that pastors should do everything perfect, their kids should be perfect, and that's a, because I was a PGK. Pastor's, pastor's <laughs> grandkid, right? Yeah. So I felt that pressure. You should yeah. always be doing yeah. these things. And, you yeah. know, we're not perfect. And that's not an excuse to be striving for that. Right. But there's got to be grace in that. So Absolutely. I think the role of the pastor is to equip the saints to work in ministry. But also you're saying to, to live out this life that you're preaching right. every day. Right. That you want to be an imperfect role model. Right. Um, and I think that's for all of us. Because sometimes, yeah. as, even as a believer, I'm not a, I don't have vocational ministry as a pastor. But... I still am an imperfect role model to other people. Mm-hmm. That that people should see my good work, but glorify father, my Father who's in heaven. Yeah. That I'm not saying we're perfect. I think sometimes right. Christians can use the excuse not to try because mm-hmm. I'm not perfect. Sure. No, I, I I walk daily. I follow after Christ every day, but in my failures, it's still grace. Amen. Amen. So yeah, how is that? Were you a preacher's kid, or you just have pre- you just have the kids? That- no, no. I, I I grew up with what what I affectionately refer to as a California pagan. Mm-hmm. Um, we we went to, we were creasters. We went to church for Christmas and Easter. Creasters, <laughs> and yeah, and, and it, it wasn't until I became you know as, as I got older, hit my teen teen years. My parents, uh, my mom in particular, said you know uh, she wanted me to be around some positive uh, influences and, and better role models than my peer group at school, and so they. We started shopping around for a church, and I got plugged into a youth group and uh, went to a, a camp where I was introduced to the gospel for the first time, and I said, that's what I want to do. I need to, you know, the Holy Spirit convicted me and drew me, um, and, and I made a confession of faith in Christ, and yeah, so, um, you know, it's funny, as we were talking about the the, the, the kid thing, um, and, and what it means to you know to do life and those kinds of things. One of the one of the important things for our family 
is we don't ever want our kids to ever feel like they have to behave a certain way because they are a pastor's right. kid. They can be kids. They can be kids. Um, and, and so what we're, what we really, my wife and I are trying to make very clear to all of our kids is that our, our house rules, our expectations are those are, are such that regardless of whether dad's a pastor or not, we would, we still expect the same kind of behavior, you know? Um, and it doesn't, so who they are, you know, at church is, is pretty much who they are at home and vice versa. And we, we try, we don't try to make that distinction because, well, you know, you've got to behave this way because we're going to church and dad's a pastor and we've got to keep up appearances. Um, no, that just, that's setting us up for failure, you know, because we're real people. Um, although you, you do find being the, the, the lead pastor that, uh, you are under greater scrutiny. Yeah. You're under microscope. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's something that my wife has felt more than, than I do. I, part of it is just how my God has shaped my personality. You know, there, I don't think much about it, but my wife does, um, which is probably why we're, we're married. Cause she thinks about those things. And, and I just, I, I really don't care about those things, which is why I need her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because she's got to say, honey, you need to, you need to think about this. And, uh, I would just rather not, but I would probably run people over if without her, her caution. And, um, and so it's hard, you know, they say it's lonely at the top, you know, and, and it's true when you're, when you're the lead pastor, when you're in the position of authority or any position of authority, it's hard to maintain and find healthy, solid relationships that aren't going to potentially bite you in the, in the backside, right. you know? And so that's challenging, you know? And, because you're the pastor. Correct. So whenever it's like, what does pastor think? You know, even in a small group, yeah, yeah. you're trying to just be one of the members yeah. in the group. You're yeah. talking about a Bible scripture. People give their opinions or they don't because they're concerned about what you may think. And it leaves you kind of lonely. And mm-hmm. I've heard that thing, too. Is yeah. It's lonely at the top. And I always think that, you know, the top to be successful. But I look yeah. at it as lonely to lead. Yeah. You know, yeah. no matter what position you're in, it's right. lonely to lead because it's hard. Not that you think that you're better than or right. but people no. treat you a certain way where they kind of. With a 10-foot pole in a sense. I don't want to get too close. I don't, right. for whatever reason, and it's kind yeah. of be lonely. So what things have you done? And I think, I guess, partly what I want to talk about, I want Connectivate in Life, I want people to know, yeah. to see the pastor's role from a different perspective. And sure. One sure. of my questions I'm going to ask you in a minute is, what would you want to tell people yeah. to help you as a pastor? Mm. But first, I want to go to this idea of yeah. lonely. How Are there some ways that you're dealing with the idea of is lonely to lead or the things that you can even though the pastors may be watching or people sure uh, just have lots of kids <laughs> that may make me more lonelier <laughs> you um, lead more right yeah 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 just have lots of kids we have eight kids for those watching you know uh, one son and, and seven daughters and and so it's uh it's never we're never really lonely um <laughs> or alone perhaps it is but in terms of finding um Good for friendship. And, and it's even challenging. It's probably more challenging for us because we're in a smaller community. Mm. And, and so being in a small town and we're at a fairly large church in our small community. And, and so we, we do have a little bit more um, uh, visibility. Okay. Yeah, it's good word. Greater visibility. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be, you know, people will come up to me or my wife or, you know, my kids at work in various places around town and they say, oh, you're, you're Pastor Jeff's daughter or you're a Lang or whatever it is, you know, and my kids are like, I don't know who this person is or right, where they right. came from. And where so, they came from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like, and so part of how we navigate that, we just assume everybody in town or around our community ha- either has come to church or will come to church at some point. Um, and so 
there is sort of that, not that we keep up appearances, because I think as followers of Christ, um, it's incumbent and inherent upon us as followers of Christ to, to, to our testimony should always be set in front of us, right? Right, right? Regardless of our vocation, you know, whether it's as a speaker or, or, or social media influencer or a mechanic or a barista, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, if I'm in Christ, I need to represent Jesus well, no matter what I do. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but no. you do, you're conscious of the fact Correct. that that you represent Christ everywhere you go. And that's yeah. why I like to talk yeah. about ministry because some yeah. people think you're not in ministry unless you're a vocational pastor, you're a missionary. Uh, yeah. No, if you're the mechanic, you're you're in ministry. You're representing Christ yep. in your word. Colossians 3 talks about whatever you do, do heartily unto the Lord, yeah. not unto men. We do it for God. So we're right. our work right. is an act of worship. How we go to grocery shop can be an act of worship Absolutely. because we're representing Christ. Yep. And so I remember this guy played a prank on me. I had spoken at a church. I had just joined this church and I, I didn't know many people, but uh, I, I got to preach one on Sunday, mm-hmm. and so everybody knew knew me. So one day I was in another town where I lived because I didn't live in the same town. Right, and I was at the back then Blockbuster, way back when. <laughs> I think there's one still yeah, in America. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. a Blockbuster getting a movie, and he worked there, and I didn't know who he was. And so I'm in the shop, and he's walking around, and then he saw me, and he's like, uh, "Excuse me, sir, you're a Christian, aren't you?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, looking at my shirt, and I have a cross. <laughs> what was going yeah, on? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I was like, uh, yeah. He's like. And he just paused. He's like, I saw you preach the other day at church. <laughs> but it reminded me, like, you know. Did you do a quick check of what, what section what, of yeah, the video? Where was I at? <laughs> what was I looking at? That he made me think you're a Christian, right? Yeah. But the truth is we're being watched by yeah. people. Yeah. And not that we have to put on pretense. We have no. to put on airs. We need to be who we are. But that's right. a good idea to know that. And I, I've been working on this. Not so much with people, yes, with people, but understanding I need to practice the presence of God. Yeah, absolutely. That even though people may not see and people may not, well, who am I when no one is looking? Because mm-hmm. God is always looking. Yeah, absolutely. But even as, as your family, so your, your kids, you tell them, hey, we need to be who we are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's one reason I, I, I kind of digress a little bit. I want to be the person I'm never where I go. For example, I don't use swear words. Mm-hmm. I don't cuss. And that's just a choice I made. I don't, and I don't, some Christians do use profanity, and that's your choice. Yeah. But I want to be the same way. Because when I go to schools, I'm not using profanity as I'm speaking, right? Right. And right. I've been to some schools, man, I tell you, I'm working with this personality, principal, administrator, whatever, or teacher. And we hang out, we'll talk, work with the kids. As soon as kids are gone, dropping F-bombs. And I'm like, are you a different? Like, right. And that's got to be very hard to figure out who you can talk, who you can use profanity around, who you can't. Right. And it's right. Like, I, right. I, that's just right. too much work. I want to be the same person everywhere I go. Well, and on the same note, I mean, if they're if people are able to self-edit in the t- in real time, why why does that all of a sudden go away? Like right. you, you can do it at your job. Correct. You do it, you, yeah. 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 You know, and and I, I likewise. I mean, we we don't use coarse language at all. You know, it's 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 part of our culture, but we we want to be countercultural in that regard. You know, um, following Christ is the best thing in the world uh, because uh, I was just reading. Um, you know, Jesus is. Is, is the word of life, you know, and he came to give us life. Life means joy and peace and, and uh, all of, to set us free to live, to live our, you know, to use a, a uh, an ill-coined term, but it applies, you know, our best life uh, for the glory of God, right? right. Uh, because of who Christ is and what he's done. And so as his as his kids, as adopted sons and daughters, co-heirs with him, I mean, we should reflect that joy mm-hmm. and that enthusiasm uh, because of, of how great our Savior is, 
you know, and it, we're great sinners. Um, we're not perfect, uh, but we have a great Savior, mm-hmm. and, and and He has set us free from the law of sin and death. You know? I like to say that we're we're saved who some who sin. Yeah, like, yeah. Because my yeah. identity is in Christ. I'm Amen. A, I'm a believer, follower yep. of Christ. Yep. But I sometimes say my identity is no longer in my sin; it's in my Savior. Yeah. But I do still sin. It made me think of this idea. You talked about this, like you may go back with a little rap culture growing, but you know, represent. You know, yeah, what I'm saying? yeah, yeah. Yep. That that I represent Christ, not in a legalistic way, not in a way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to represent. I have the privilege to represent right. my Savior. Yeah. That He's chosen me to be His heir, to be His representative. I'm His ambassador. Yeah. Um, Second Corinthians chapter five, right? That I'm ambassador of Christ, yeah. and I want yeah. to. I get to represent Him, yep. and I think that means an ideal connecting mm-hmm. with your life. I don't have to try to put on airs or show something. Mm-hmm. I get to be, and even in my imperfections, right. He knows that. But I get to be His representative right. on earth. Well, and what's so beautiful is that. He's set us free. He, he's given us that that ministry of reconciliation, right? As his ambassador, but you know, it, it is it is joyful. But there is there is a degree of obedience. I mean, we are called to be obedient. Right. You know, we're called to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're called to love others as 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 we love ourselves, as Christ has loved us. You know, and so um, part of living out that relationship in real time means that we need to obey what God has commanded us. You know, and. Not not in a legalistic sense, you know, like if you don't do this, then therefore you're unqualified or I'm unqualified as it is mm-hmm. because I'm dead in my sin. And I, there's nothing I can do in my own strength to produce anything worthy or good for God. You know, um, my righteousness is nothing but filthy rags, uh, but it's because of who Christ is and what he's done. And that 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 great transaction uh, and that great exchange of, of his righteousness for my depravity. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. man, that is such a beautiful thing. That's, that's why I love to preach. <laughs>